this morning I invite you to think for just a moment about forgiveness. What does forgiveness mean to you? Christian forgiveness is more than just accepting someone's apology, excusing a slip in judgment, or wiping away a debt. It's actually quite different. Let me start first, though, with the hurt, the reason that forgiveness is needed, the reactions that we have when we're injured or insulted, when we're dismissed, rejected, hurt by someone, it stings. Maybe we want to lash back out and return the pain. And yet retaliation precipitates further brokenness and violence. And just as much damage as a cold shoulder sometimes. Nevertheless, when we're hurting, we cry aloud or stew inside. We struggle to put words to what is swirling inside, trapped within us. There's a theologian named John Swinton, and he has written a book called Raging with Compassion. And it helps unfurl theologically what we do with evil bad stuff. So he writes that those cries, those laments that we voice are an opening to healing when we are wounded. For when crying out, it transforms that silent pain that we hold inside and we articulate it. We put words to it, name the thoughts and feelings to bring us closer to a sense of wholeness By giving voice to pain, we are saying no to hopelessness in grief. It's almost as if lament opens a drain so that the big, hard feelings that are so heavy can begin escaping. Prayers, tears, psalms and songs of lament, those sad, sad, angry songs, they do something else. When we offer these laments to God, what we're doing is we're setting all of our cares on God's plate. We are surrendering the power because we cannot fix it, and so we are saying, God, please take action in my pain. Please bring mercy and justice where there is none. So how did we get here? That's a big question, but in the gospel today, it's a continuation of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. We heard some of the, the good stuff and the hard stuff last week. You know, blessed are you, woe to you, and the fun continues. Now, Jesus is talking to his friends and those who are gathering around about some more extreme actions. Doing good for those who hate you, blessing those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Jesus is a radical peacemaker. These are really tall orders. But what about those who are doing wrong? 
What are we to do about those injustices? Theft, lying, abuse, ridicule. Well, Jesus says love. Especially those who are hard to love. I bet you can think of someone in your life who is hard to love. Don't say it. (laughs) Jesus says, treat that person as you want to be treated. Revenge is not the answer. There's a problem when we want revenge. When that anger boils up inside of us and we want to make wrongs around us stop. When we name a person or a people group as pure evil. When we want to throw back the rudeness that was hurled at us. When we want to punish someone who has not seen us for who we are. You see, seeking revenge makes all parties involved a little bit evil, a little bit sinful. In striking back at the suffering, we cultivate evil and brokenness in ourselves. Yeah, but won't God leverage some of that divine power and just send some locusts or some plague just for a little piece of their property, not the whole of it? Well, I don't know if God does that. Paul, the apostle, writes to the Romans, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written in Deuteronomy, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And then in James chapter 1, part of that letter says, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Your anger does not produce God's righteousness. How God responds is up to God. And when we put that power upon God, it opens our hands and our hearts to move into healing instead of spinning in a mire of resentment and separation. If our response to hurt is not revenge, well then what are we going to do? Well, it's not as sexy, but Jesus says we have to forgive. And here's something that John Swinton points to in that book, Raging with Compassion. It is people we forgive. Forgiveness is about people, not actions. The actions committed pain, and they are in the past. We cannot change them. Sometimes the pain is just going to be there. And while we want to distance ourselves from the people who do bad things, they are still human. They are not monsters. They are human just as we are human. When we use language like us and them that I'm using right now, I'm using they also. When we use words to demonize or diminish one group of people or a type, the haves and have-nots, 
Injustices from slight to glaring are bound to follow. The gospel today gives us words of warning to tread lightly and to change our tune because the golden rule still applies. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You see, Jesus is reminding us to be compassionate, which is really hard work. It is in listening and looking for the humanity and those who are hard to love that we can actually open the door to forgiveness. It does not mean we're going to forget the hurts done to us because we could be hurt again. And we don't have to allow the wrongdoing to continue. Jesus invites us to re-examine the wounds upon our lives, the suffering around us. There's a theologian whose name is Miroslav Volf. Say that one three times. And Volf challenges Christians to this odd thing that Jesus talks about, being reconciled with our enemy. Because there is no action that can remove a person from God's loving embrace. Nothing can separate us from the love of God even those people who do really ugly things. I can say that, but it's easier to put it into practice. Excuse me, it's, it's not easy when it's put into practice. I'll tell you a bit of Wolf's story. He's a Croat, and he speaks and writes about this thing, forgiveness, and reconciling his experiences in his home country, the former Yugoslavia which was stricken by violence in the 1990s, where Yugoslavia broke into separate countries, Serbia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Croatia, Slovenia. So tensions are raging, and this question comes up for Wolf. He's asked about how he feels about some of his enemies. And he says, it was the winter of 1993, for months now, the notorious Serbian fighters called Setnik had been sowing desolation in my native country, herding people into concentration camps, raping women, burning down churches, and destroying cities. I had just argued that we ought to embrace our enemies as God has embraced us in Christ. Can I embrace a Setnik? the ultimate other, so to speak, the evil other. What would justify the embrace? Where would I draw the strength for it? What would it do to my identity as a human being and a Croat? Well, it took me a while to answer, though I immediately know what I wanted to say. No, I cannot. But as a follower of Christ, I think I should be able to. Forgiveness is really complicated. 
while the words of the gospel today can roll off our tongues, living deeply into that message is hard news. And Jesus understands this. He knows that working through that pain, resentment, and humiliation is nearly insurmountable. So let Wolf's intention be an inspiration to you today. Even if forgiveness feels like a hard no for you, can you see how being a follower of Jesus and a child of God shifts the way we live life? Forgiveness is not just an individual thing. Forgiveness is a mindset for our community living. As we approach the table and put our hands out to receive the body and blood of Christ, together we are reconnected, we are reconciled, we are renewed. Christian forgiveness calls us to change our hearts our ears, our eyes, our whole lives to accept and share Jesus as we see ourselves and one another as beloved children of God. But what if that person who has brought us pain and discord is not repentant? What if contrition is nowhere on their radar? Well, our eyes really have to be open in order to understand that we need to turn around and return to God. And if that doesn't happen, reconciliation with that person is probably not going to happen, at least in that time. However, it does not impede the posture that each of us and our community can embrace toward the goal that Jesus sets for us. We can still love our enemies. We can still encourage and pray for one another in community. We can pray for our enemies. We can love God. We can honor ourselves and those who walk alongside us in life. And we can return to God for strength, guidance, and grace each day. We can also pray for those who are wrestling, wounded, and angry. Those who say the words of Psalm 37, feeling that anger and resentment. We can pray for God to help us see those who have wounded and violated us as people, not evil beings. And we can pray that God opens our eyes to when we hurt others. And we can pray that we stay human and see one another as beloved children of God. As I close, there's a prayer in the Book of Common Prayer. There are lots of little prayers back in the 800s. And there's one for our enemies. It's found on page 816 if you want to mark it. So let us bow our heads and let these words wash over our hearts as we pray for our enemies.
O God, the Father of all, whose Son commanded us to love our enemies, lead them and us from prejudice to truth. Deliver them and us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.